ever laugh as the hearse goes by for you may be the next to die they wrap you in a big white sheet from your head down to your feet they put you in a big black box and cover you up with dirt and rocks and all goes well for about a week and then your coffin begins to leak the worms crawl in the worms crawl out the worms play pinochle on your snout your eyes fall out and your teeth decay and that is the end of a perfect day the worms crawl in the worms crawl out and that is the end of a perfect day welcome back to the tape store everyone this is toby and this is brooke we were made in the 80s and played in the 90s and we're going to continue our journey we're going to jump right in really (laughs) yeah and we're continuing the spooky month after party. Yes. We're keeping things spooky around here. I mean, and they're they're spooky all the time, to right. be honest. You know, the leaves are really just starting to fall here in Georgia. Yeah, actually, where we are, I mean, it's it, it's only just now looking like fall everywhere else. <laughs> it's true. It's, I was like, it was hot today. I know. It's so It was weird. upsetting. It, it doesn't. Is. It does not match my aesthetic at all. But we have <laughs> our... I don't even like to use the term artificial, but we have our electric jack-o'-lantern. Our eternal jack-o'-lantern. Right. It's always here. It's always here. We, we It's been on most times we've recorded a show. It's yeah. on, instead of an on-air. You yeah, know, we blinking, have a jack-o'-lantern. We have a jack-o'-lantern that's on when we're recording. Uh, and now, and also I would like to add that this, this has very little to do with the book, but we have spruced up our little tape room. We have some pretty twinkle lights and yeah. fall leaves in here. So it's great. My, uh, my heart is happy. It's wonderful. We enjoy it. <laughs> nice aesthetic. We're going to continue talking about the scary stories treasury. Yes. As the book is called, the scary stories trilogy. Yeah, we figure we might as well just just move through all the books because yes. they're they're so good. So, this week is more scary stories to tell in the dark, yes. which was published in 1984. Mm-hmm. And that was written again by Alvin Schwartz with wonderful illustrations. By Stephen Gamble. You or, really can't separate the book from the illustrations. They are no. they are one and the same. Obviously, you probably heard the opening to this episode. Um, that is me singing and playing. Um, but it is a song that, if you're familiar with these books, it is printed in, in a couple different um, versions of it in the first the first book and the third book, I believe. Okay. It's called The Hearst Song. Um, it's more yes. commonly known as The Worms Crawl In, which is disgusting, I know. But it actually rose to popularity in Britain during World War One because okay. so many, the soldiers were, you know, there was so much death and so sure. much decay. It's like a creepy kid song, but it, it was very popular in, um, in Britain and, and also in America. Uh, so, of course, Alvin Schwartz had to include it. So I felt it was only right for us to pay homage to that. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, so we hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, <laughs> some new music. You know, Brooke does a great job with that, obviously. And we have this, you know, the whole compendium here. Yes. So we 
we took some selections from, mm-hmm. you know, last week we took some selections from the first book, which was simply Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. This week, very much the same thing, going through, got some nice, short, what we think are some pretty, you know, haunting. Yeah, haunting or not what you thought, yeah. you know, kind of stories. Yeah, that we that really, I guess, really grabbed us, so... You know, we'll take turns reading them. Yes. We'll discuss them a little bit. And we hope that this is something you guys enjoy. Yes. Three books to chill your bones. I'm just reading the front. I miss it. I miss experiencing this stuff for the first time. Yeah, like, even though, like, yeah, maybe you couldn't sleep or you, like, you know, you were nervous to go to bed. But, like, hearing these stories or yeah. stories like this, because, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think I actually read this as a kid, kid, but, like, of course, we all told these stories, then, right. and that's and yeah. they're ba- and they are based on urban legends and folk tales. Yes. So that moment of when you're a kid and you hear that scary story for the first time, golly, it's like it's such a rush. It is, and you know, it just takes me back to youth group lock-ins, mm-hmm. sleepovers, sleepovers. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. With, with the flashlight under your face yeah. and like everyone in their sleeping bag and lights and off. It's you know when you grow up. If I can beckon to a great 90s film called Hook. Yeah. Which I think, and there's a lot of those movies that we talk about Mm -hmm. with this message to remain childlike at heart. Yes. And I think that when I look at Hook, it's a perfect example of as he grew, he became more like a pirate, right? Peter. He he lost the child. He had to find, he had to find his happy thought again. Yeah. And what's funny is, is that's getting this magic back, you know, mm-hmm. over this past year doing the podcast. And even before that, I think yeah. things were leading up to us starting this. But I remember when Brooke and I <laughs> uh, were youth leaders. Yes. <laughs> and we had a lock-in, like a big sleepover with our kids, um, that, kids in our going. youth group Yeah, at this farmhouse, one of the families that had a lot of the kids in the youth group. They had a bunch of kids. They were great. We, oh, we, what a lovely family. Yeah, still love them. Haven't seen them in a while, but we do love them very much. So they, it's been years. But they had this farmhouse, you know, all in this, in this rural. Part I of mean, Georgia. Yeah, you had to go down this twisty, turny, you know, dirt road to find this. Yeah, it was like, the perfect like 20 place. minutes from a Walmart, which for me is, that's a bit much. And we had done all <laughs> kinds. Yeah, and I think we had maybe 15 kids there. Yeah, and it, I mean, we're talking a small house. Yeah, it was a little house. It was great. We had ordered in pizza and all this stuff. We were having a good time. And of course, the time, the part of the night came. It was yes. right around midnight, 1 o'clock, where some of the kids wanted to tell ghost stories yep. and scary stories. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just now remembering and the story now that you're I telling think, it. let's see, th- this was like... I mean, how long ago was this? This was ten oh, years, almost ten, it, almost ten it, years ago. It has ago. to be ten years ago. So I was, yeah. I you know, in my early thirties, and I think I had kind of gotten to that point where I had grown up and and didn't realize the impact that these stories have. Because I remember when w- one of the young ladies <laughs> that was in our youth group started telling the story about. It was the, the 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 caller, the babysitter, who gets the calls yes, about yes. the children, and mm-hmm. she finds out that the caller's from inside the house. Yes, and I just remember the look on the faces. Of, oh, it was so great! And they're you, just just I mean, sh- you know, white as a yeah, sheet, and eyes wide. Yeah, I was we like, saw these that. precious babies. Welcome. Yeah, 
That was so much fun. That didn't one of the boys go outside and bang on the window. I don't remember that. I, remember I just remember that. one of the kids, one of the girls that was listening to the story, was was telling the other kids to be quiet because she was into yes. this. You would have thought she She's like, Guy, was stop. You would have thought that this was something that the the, the other another girl was telling the story. Yeah, you would have thought that she had lived through it. That she was saying this happened to me like last week. <laughs> It was no, anyway. It just reminded it's true. me. One I think of the of, older boys had snuck outside oh. and knew what was going on, and he banged on the window at a certain point, and it and I saw it happening. Oh, I didn't. It was lovely because I knew. For some it was reason coming. I don't. I, it's funny fun how we remember. Like I remember different things. It's all to talk about how, but the, to watch that that first like scary yeah, story being told. I think so. That was neat. It was yeah, great. That was really cool. So, Aww, memories. Yeah, well, we're going to jump right into more scary stories to tell in the dark. Right. We Again, some selections here from the tape store. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to begin with the story, Something Was Wrong. Okay. One morning, John Sullivan found himself walking along a street downtown. He could not explain what he was doing there or how he had got there or where he had been earlier. He didn't even know what time it was. He saw a woman walking toward him and stopped her. I'm afraid I forgot my watch, he said, and smiled. Can you tell me the time? When she saw him, she screamed and ran. Then John Sullivan noticed that other people were afraid of him. When they saw him coming, they flattened themselves against a building or ran across the street to stay out of his way. There must be something wrong with me. John Sullivan thought, I'd better go home. He hailed a taxi, but the driver took one look at him and sped away. John Sullivan did not understand what was going on, and it scared him. Maybe somebody at home can come and get me, he thought. He found a telephone and called his wife, but a voice he did not recognize answered. Is Mrs. Sullivan there, he asked. No, she is at a funeral, the voice said. Mr. Sullivan was killed yesterday in an accident downtown. Ah. Yes. John Sullivan. This is like a Sixth Sense type thing. Yes. Doesn't realize that, you know, you're the ghost all along. (laughs) Every time you talk about Sixth Sense, I immediately think of John Mulaney. So now I'm imagining John Mulaney reading this story, which now I realize is something that I need in my life. Right. Well... (laughs) This is just really good. I, I really... And again, this is 1984, so this is years before, you know, Sixth Sense came out. Of course. So, you know, obviously there have been stories like this before about the protagonist or the main character doesn't mm-hmm. quite realize that something is wrong. He isn't used to being dead, so to speak. Right. So you're 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 kind of on this journey with them. And yeah. And you're, you're trying to figure out, oh, gosh, well, you know, how are they going to figure out what's wrong? Yeah. And then you come to find out, like, oh, gosh, it's so oh, much worse than gone. that. You're gone. You're gone, dude. This actually, funnily enough, I just finished reading The Shining, and um, I've started on Doctor Sleep because I'm crazy. But there's a section in the book where um, one of the like leading characters, Dick Halloran, is talking to Danny Torrance, and he says there are ghosts that don't quite—they're not used to their situation yet, so they'll hang around until they're used to being dead, right? And then they'll cross over, whatever. And that's what this story reminds me of. Like, it just happened. So yeah. he's not he's not used to being dead. So who knows where? Yeah. So yeah. that that kind of reminded me of that. I was like, oh, that's cool. And the movie Ghost. Yeah, yeah. With Patrick Swayze, it was very much like that too. Because that's true. In the movie, 
ghost, mm-hmm. Sam is killed. Right. And obviously you find out there was more to it. He was actually, he was murdered. It was a, you know, it was kind of a conspiracy. It was, right. But when it happens, the way they film it, he's struggling with the guy, and you hear the shot go off, and then the guy who shoots him, Willie, yeah, he runs, and then Sam chases him. Right. And then when he comes back, he sees his... He's dead, yeah. and Molly is with him. It's it's really, really... It's a good movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. I'm like, I, that's I, a good movie. I saw it, and I'm it's good. It's worth it for like I can't. the performance of Whoopi Goldberg, oh, God. who she won a Best Supporting... Queen. Yeah, she won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for that. Incredible as uh, Oda Mae Brown. Uh, hold just on. So sweet. She's g- incredible at everything, Right, actually. but it just... That's her best performance. That and Guinan uh, in Star Trek. Uh, Sister Act. My, I'm talking about my favorites. <laughs> okay, well, my favorite is Sister Act. So. Yeah. We'll have to do a show on that one. <laughs> oh, we will because I did find the soundtrack on tape. Yes. Tape, friends. So, but yeah, it, that that story, that, that idea has been, we've seen that in film. Yeah. Not just with The Sixth Sense, with Ghost. Well, I mean, this it's, whole it's, idea of a person not realizing that they've died. It's been forever and, and uh, I mean... The afterlife is something that people are always going to, it's always going to be relevant because people are always going to question it and always going to wonder because, I mean, you can believe any number of things, but at the end of it, we don't know until it's our turn, you know? So right. uh, we I've had students lately, we we're talking about supernatural stuff in class and I've been getting all these submissions about the afterlife and ghosts and what happens. Yeah. So it is a pro, it is, is a appropriate time to be reading this book for me. So... Uh, <clears throat> it is now my turn to read. Yes. I will be reading the story called Sounds. The house was near the beach. It was a big old place where nobody had lived for years. From time to time, somebody would force open a window or a door and spend the night there, but never longer. Three fishermen caught in a storm took shelter there one night. With some dry wood they found inside, they made a fire in the fireplace. They lay down on the floor and tried to get some sleep, but none of them slept that night. First, they heard footsteps upstairs. Sounded like there were several people moving back and forth, back and forth. When one of the fishermen called, Who's up there? The footsteps stopped. Then they heard a woman scream. The scream turned into a groan and died away. Blood began to drip from the ceiling into the room where the fishermen huddled. A small red pool formed on the floor and soaked into the wood. A door upstairs crashed shut. And again, the woman screamed, Not me, she cried. It sounded as if she was running, her high heels tapping wildly down the hall. I'll get you, a man shouted, and the floor shook as he chased her. Then silence. There wasn't a sound until the man who shouted began to laugh. Long peals of horrible laughter filled the house. It went on and on until the fishermen thought they would go mad. When finally it stopped, the fishermen heard someone coming down the stairs, dragging something heavy that bumped on each step. They heard him drag it through the front hall and out the front door. The door opened, then it slammed shut. Again, silence. Suddenly, a flash of lightning filled the house with a green blaze of light. A ghastly face stared at the fisherman from the hallway. Then came a crash of thunder. Terrified, they ran out into the storm. Okay. I love that one. I love that one, and uh, I read where Steve, Stephen Schwartz, not, not the right Schwartz, where Alvin Schwartz um, got it from an, um, a folk tale about a woman, um, a woman and a man, I think a, a man and his daughter, 
that had lived in this house, and he returned to England, and she was never found. Okay. So it's a, I, I believe this story is like, maybe this is what happened. Okay. So it's pretty cool. I mean, the, the history of the story is pretty cool. It's obvious that they were hearing what had happened in the house. Yeah. What always gets me is the end with the flash of lightning, because when you think about lightning, when it flashes, like, yeah. if it's dark... Like if we're laying in bed, mm-hmm. it's kind of blinding at first. Well, that and but in that in those moments when mm-hmm. it does flash, because your eyes have adjusted to the dark, right? But yeah. when the lightning flashes, it's so bright you could see everything in the room. Yeah, yeah. In those moments, and I don't know. There's just this idea of a quick flash, a sudden flash of revealing. Yeah, and that's you, all you get. What you didn't know was there, yeah. right? I also, there's also something so perfect about a morning ghost on the seaside. I don't know why, but those things oh. are just, per- because, I mean, the sea is so, there's so much longing and so much, I don't know, you, you always, you, there, especially in literature, you always see so much about longing and forlorn and, oh, my love is across the sea. Right. So f- to have a ghost near the sea is just perfect. It was scary the whole way through, yeah, yeah. but that that lightning, and then I think there's a there's a touch of mystery to it because you don't know who who the face was. What was the face? Yeah, what and who was it? Was it was it the girl? Right, or was, was it, it the, the man? Guy? I, yeah, you know, it, it it was just really interesting, very mysterious. And what's also. interesting too is that it, it's implying that they're both ghosts, so it's implying yeah. that they're both dead, actually. Right. So I'm kind of like, whoa. What happened? Because like he obviously some the guy killed the girl, but what happened to the guy? Who knows? It's interesting. I like it. I like it to end not it, all wrapped. Yeah, up. it makes you think. Certainly. Okay, so moving on to another one. Yes, the little black dog. And I I chose this one because when I when I think of a black dog, I think of a grim. Oh yeah, yeah, perfect. And I and I know that I did not. Yeah, that. I, obviously, you know, Harry Potter makes references to the Grimm. Right, but it's it's much older than that. It's much older than that. Right. And actually, it, it makes an appearance, the, or at least the idea of the Grimm, which is a, a black dog, makes an appearance in Are You Afraid of the Dark in the Tale of the Twisted Claw. Yes, you are right. So, so for Are You, are you Afraid of the Dark fans, um, if you remember Tale of the Twisted Claw, mm-hmm. when he the boy was running the race, you know, the boy made the wish. Yep. Mm-hmm. With the claw. And that stinking dog. And the do- it was a dog yep. that came out. It, that was what was cool. It wasn't an injury. It wasn't just that the, the, the claw made the kid run faster. It was the fact that the claw caused a grim yeah. to come out of nowhere and caused the uh, the other kid who was going to win to right. fall, and, and he broke his leg. So there's just powerful... Haunting imagery oh, in, yes. in a grim, and so I chose this, this, um, this story, the little black dog. Here we go. Billy Mansfield said that a little black dog followed him wherever he went, but he was the only one who saw it. So people thought he was kind of crazy. To drive the dog away, Billy was always hollering at it, throwing rocks at it, but the dog always came back. The first time Billy saw that dog was the day he fought Silas Burton. Billy was just a young man then, but the Burtons and Billy's family had been feuding for years. When Billy saw Silas riding toward him, he went for his gun and Burton went for his. But Billy fired first. He hit Burton in the back, knocking him from his horse. Burton's horse ran off and his gun fell where he could not reach it. He lay there on the ground, pleading with Billy not to kill him, but Billy killed him anyway. 
Burton's little black dog was with him when he was shot. The dog kept licking Burton's face and barking and snarling at Billy. In his anger, Billy killed the dog too. There wasn't much law enforcement in those days, so Billy wasn't arrested. But all that night he heard Burton's dog outside his cabin scratching on his door and barking to be let in. I'm imagining this, Billy said to himself. I shot that dog. It's dead. But the next morning, Billy saw the dog. It was waiting for him outside. From then on, there was not a day when he didn't see it, and there wasn't a night when he didn't hear it scratching on his door, barking to be let in. From then on, Billy was always finding black dog hairs on the sofa, on the floor, in his bed, even in his food. And the house and the yard stank of dog. That's what Billy said. Whenever someone told him there wasn't any dog to see, he'd say, maybe you don't see it, but I do, and I'm not crazier than you are. Things went on like that for many years. Then one morning in the middle of the winter, the neighbors didn't see any smoke coming out of Billy's chimney. When they went over to check, Billy wasn't there. A day or so later, they found his body lying in the snow in a field behind his cabin. Billy had plenty of enemies, and at first it seemed like someone might have killed him, but there wasn't a mark on his body, and there weren't any footprints out there except for Billy's. The doctor said Billy probably died of old age, but there was something odd about his death. When the neighbors found Billy, there were black dog hairs on his clothes. There were even a few on his face. It smelled like a dog had been out there, yet no one had seen a dog anywhere. Sheesh. Okay, so there's two things about that. (laughs) And the story actually does two things with the dog. Okay. So when I'm reading the story, I'm thinking, this is guilt. Yeah, okay. You know, Billy obviously wasn't a great guy, but there was something. No, he sucked. (laughs) Yeah, but there was something... But at the same time, you could say that deep down there was something about because of the way they described his, him killing Silas. Yeah, um, he I believe shoots him in the back. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was which was really dastardly. Yeah, and cowardly, really. Right. Yeah, he hit Burton in the back, knocking him from his horse. Right. So he kind of killed him in a really, you know, again dastardly yeah, way. Yeah, backhanded. So it could be that deep down mm-hmm. he. Felt guilty about that one. Yeah. And also, I mean, who kills a dog? Right. A, but go- the, a dog is innocent. But at the same time, at the end, of course, we right. find out that the dog was real. The right. specter, the grim, yes. was real. Real in a sense. So I think it could be taken both ways. I think that, you know, there it, it was either guilt that just would never, you know, mm-hmm. it would never let... Billy forget right. what he did, but I think there was also the fact that, you know, because he lived his whole life, so it it, it maybe leads you to believe that maybe the 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 ghost or the grim, you know, the dog, which was Silas's dog, mm-hmm. made Billy's entire life miserable, and then finally offed him at the end of it. Oh yeah. yeah. Or what? Go ahead. Well, okay, real quick. When they found him, can you read that part? Like just. Yeah, he was just lying in the middle of the snow in mm-hmm. a field behind his cabin, and the the doctor said he probably died of old age. So, which and means they he was found old. no other traces of anything but his footprints, right? No, just there were black dog hairs on his clothes, okay, and there were a few on his face, okay, and smelled like a dog had been out there. Right, yet no one's seen a dog anywhere. Okay, so my, I mean, now it it, it kind of goes against a little bit with the text said, but I can't help but see the symbolism. Um, 
you know, when, when it's guilt, when there's, when there's something physical attached to what you've done. I think of like, like Macbeth, you know, Lady Macbeth says, I can't get the blood off my hands. And she's, yeah, she can't, she's constantly trying to wash her hands. Right. There's no blood. Sure. But she, but, but she sees it because right. it's guilt. And so that's at first what I thought was happening. I was like, oh, he's seeing black dog hairs because he killed the man. That's bad enough. But then just out of spite, you know, kills the dog. And that's even worse because what, what, what does a dog do? Right. Nothing. Was just doing. Yeah. What yeah. does a dog do? Bad. Nothing. So to me at first I thought, okay, the black hairs are, he's seeing that because that was like, that's, it's just his guilt. That's, that's, he's riddled with it. But then at the end when they find the black hairs, I'm like, okay, well. Yeah. Maybe his guilt is, is, is manifested. Maybe it is just the grim is is one and the same. Right. I don't know. I like I, I love it. I love that I think it's... it was both. And that's kind of how I looked at it. Is I think it was the dog was to remind him of his guilt. Right. And which probably made him miserable and made him feel crazy. And then at the end, obviously, I guess the dog, you know, the, the ghost of, you know, whatever that ghost right. was, whether it was the ghost of Silas through the dog or the dog on yeah. behalf of Silas, I guess finally. Because my thought is too, did he kill himself? Because of the guilt, like because there was, know. I mean, these are just questions I have that I think are yeah, are it neat could be to that. It, Did he kill himself? But and, and maybe the Grim didn't kill him, but just its presence possibly did that. I don't know. It's I I like that it has. Yeah, it, it doesn't was, have a, a definitive one. answer. I love that. Yeah, I, I I like the whole idea of 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 it having to do with something like guilt. Right, I just thought it was really good. Okay, that is the greatest ghost of all. Yes, I think so. I I, I think, I think so. guilt can is can make anything. Yeah, real. it's a powerful thing. And, yeah. Okay. All righty. All right. So I am up next. Um, yes. This one is called "Rings on Her Fingers," and it has a really iconic picture. Um, that if ever you do a Google search for this book, you'll find it. Daisy Clark had been in a coma for more than a month when the doctor said that she had finally died. She was buried on a cool summer day in a small cemetery about a mile from her home. May she always rest in such peace, her husband said. But she didn't. Late that night, a grave robber with a shovel and a lantern began to dig her up. Since the ground was still soft, he quickly reached the coffin and got it open. His hunch was right. Daisy had been buried wearing two valuable rings, a wedding ring with a diamond in it and a ring with a ruby that glowed as if it were alive. The thief got down on his knees and reached into the coffin to get the rings, but they were stuck fast on her fingers. So he decided that the only way to get them was to cut off her fingers with a knife. But when he cut into the finger with the wedding ring, it began to bleed, and Daisy Clark began to stir. Suddenly, she sat up. Terrified, the thief scrambled to his feet. He accidentally kicked over the lantern, and the light went out. He could hear Daisy climb out of her grave. As she moved past him in the dark, he stood there, frozen with fear, clutching the knife in his hand. When Daisy saw him, she pulled her shroud around her and asked, Who are you? When the grave robber heard this corpse speak, he ran. Daisy shrugged her shoulders and walked on, and never once looked back. But in his fear and confusion, the thief fled in the wrong direction. He pitched headlong into her grave, fell on the knife, and stabbed himself. While Daisy walked home, the thief led to death <laughs> so lesson in you know morality don't grave rob yeah, don't steal for obvious reasons but also this could be one of them 
But this comes from, I feel like I've heard before mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, whether in legend or if it actually happened that. I have heard this story in some variation. Someone dies. Separate from this. And they think they're dead, mm-hmm. but it's it's not quite, you know, but they think they're dead. They're in a coma or something. And mm-hmm. then you come to find out that they were alive. I don't, you know. Well, I mean, I there, the there were, I mean, it, historically, there, there were like, uh, when people were buried, sometimes they would put like a bell or something. Oh really? Yeah, and if they weren't actually dead, they could ring it. Like I mean, it's it is a thing. Uh, people that were buried and weren't actually dead because science just wasn't what it was, you no. know, back then. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder if that's God. That is a very real that thing. That would, sadly, that ever happened, but yeah, I mean, thankfully, uh, I mean, in a weird way, we're actually kind of grateful for this grave robber because she would have just suffocated. Yeah, he saved her life, but then so in a weird way, thanks. Right. But also, yikes. And it's kind of like, you know, I mean, the universe paid him back, kind of. Like, yeah. hey, man, like... Sorry. That was really mm. rude, so... Good night. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, he already had the coffin. He was, you know, he was taken care of, so... Yeah, that's the funny thing. It was almost a, that was almost, like, kind of a joke. Yeah, was... like, it's funny, but morbid. Okay, so I'm going to read... This is a very short one, but, mm-hmm. again, I don't know... There was the artwork, and again, it was just very striking. Mm-hmm. So it just, I have to read this one. It's called The Cat's Paw. Somebody was stealing the meat Jed Smith kept in his smokehouse. Every day, a ham or some bacon or something else was missing. Finally, Jed decided he had to put a stop to it. One night, he hid in the smokehouse with his rifle and waited for the thief. He didn't have to wait long, for soon a black she-cat slunk in. She was the biggest cat Jed had ever seen. When she jumped up and pulled down a ham hanging from the ceiling, Jed grabbed his rifle and turned on the lights, but instead of running away, the cat jumped at him. He fired and shot off one of her paws. Jed was sure he heard a woman scream right after his gun went off. The cat began tearing around the room, spitting and yowling. She then ran up the chimney and was gone. Jed stared at the cat's paw, only it wasn't a cat's paw anymore. A woman's foot lay wriggling on the floor, all shot up and bloody. So it's a witch that's been doing it, he told himself. Just then, one of Jed's neighbors, a fellow named Burdick, came racing down the road to get a doctor. His wife's foot had been shot in an accident, he told Jed. She's bleeding pretty bad, he said. The doctor got to her barely in time. People who were there when it happened said she was spitting and yowling just like a cat. Ah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> my my face the whole time was like no. So again, no. I, I I think what what really attracted me to this story is anything that makes you ask questions. Yes, is such a great story, and I have so many questions. <laughs> so many. So questions. mine was okay. So we do get some context clues, uh, Jed. For some reason, surmises it's a witch when he shoots her. Yes, like like, oh, that's the next Obviously, natural step when the paw becomes a woman's foot. Mm-hmm. But the questions are, okay, <laughs> why? Why is <laughs> she doing this? How long has she been doing it? And obviously, she's aggressive because she tried to kill him. Right when he discovered her, so or tried to at least hurt him. Yeah, and then of course the questions are like, you know. Does how much does Burdick know? This is obviously her husband. Yeah. But my thing is, what else is she doing other than? St- I mean, obviously she's going to the smokehouse 
for like sustenance to eat, right? Yeah, I know. But like, what is she doing? Is it a curse? Is it a... I don't know. I well, feel you know, like... this makes me think of the horse one too. Yeah, it's very similar. There's a theme of these late witching ladies that I, have not else to do but turn into animals and do stuff or I, turn people into yeah, animals and do this stuff. This one made me just mainly wonder like what else is she doing cuz I think this is just one stop along her her yeah probably route of whatever whatever it is that she's out doing as this she cat you know and the art the art's really kind of creepy I know and I'm like yeah, yeah but just I think why is my biggest question and also yeah. like right I don't know. It's like McGonagall just gone wrong. Of course. Just gone real wrong. There's such great setups for what I think could be good movies and you yeah. know and great conversation. I think the, that's part of what this yeah. is geared for. This would toward. be a great like yeah, yeah, this good camp, conversation. This is a camp this is a campfire book, like forget right, it. Totally. Yeah. And but I could see it would be this would have been a great series. Oh gosh. To take it. these stories and build little Man, maybe they'll do that. That'd yeah. be great. To have okay. a little mini, kind of like lore is. Yeah, so this is the last one we're going to do. Okay. Brooke, you'll read this one. This okay. is called The Man in the Middle. I chose this one. And it's different. We're going to talk We're going to talk about why, obviously, okay. after when you're finished. Now, this after. I haven't read this, so this is my first. Yeah, it's a good I, one. You'll, I mean, yeah, so I'm reading Yeah, this we're getting this time. real time. Here we go. <laughs> All right. The Man in the Middle. It was almost midnight. Sally Truitt had just gotten on the subway train at 50th Street after visiting her mother. Don't worry, Sally told her. Subway's safe. There's always a policeman on duty. But that night, she didn't see one. Except for her, the subway car was empty. At 42nd Street, three tough-looking men got on. Two of them were holding up the third, who looked drunk. His head rolled from side to side, and his legs refused to work. When they got him seated between them, his head came to rest on one of his shoulders. Sally thought he was staring at her. She buried her head in a book and tried not to notice. At 28th Street, one of the men stood up. Take it easy, Jim, he said to the man in the middle, and he got off. At 23rd Street, Jim's other friend stood up. You'll be fine, he said, and he got off. Now the only ones left in the car were Jim and Sally. Just then, the train went around a sharp curve, and Jim pitched onto the floor at Sally's feet. When she looked down at him, she saw a trickle of blood on the side of his head, and just above it, a bullet hole. Okay, so oh no, yeah, so the, the yeah, I know and, his friends aren't friends at all, right? So what what I like about this one is that we've read all these these stories, just like last week there was one and it was the hook, yes, yeah, which, which that's the two in the car, which had no supernatural theme to it. It was real, yes, it was a real world. Same scenario. with high beams. High beams was the same one. Yeah, another yeah, those mm. yeah, there was a couple. But most of the ones we read last week were supernatural. In this case, you know, again, most of the ones we read, we read are supernatural. And then and there's then this. We have this one, which very much could happen. Yeah. You know, it's strange to be sure. But this reminds me of some organized crime. So, yeah. So, something take it that, easy, Jim. Yeah. Something that would be in a Michael Mann movie. Yeah. Michael Mann, uh, director, he directed uh, Collateral. Oh, he so good. And he directed Heat. Those are two of his Ooh, films. Oh, gosh, Heat. And just a ve- very gritty, realistic crime dramas. And this is the kind of stuff that would happen. Yeah, I know? can almost see it, like, you know? as a movie in my head. Right. Who are these guys? What happened before they got on the train? Again, it, any kind of questions, uh, any kind of story that leads to questions. Yeah. I think 
and, and there and again, it's like, who are these guys? What were they doing? Yeah, you know what? What, what are the circumstances? And all through the, through the eyes of because Sally is us, really, just right. the, the regular person, just kind of doing her thing, and you know, and through her lens, we see. A, a a glimpse of a darker world, right? Oh yeah, and what's what what's neat to me is like what what you said about organized crime. Like I feel like that's accurate because as we you know as we've all seen the movies, I say I would say as we right. know, but we don't, I don't know anything really. But you know, mob people can like buy off cops and stuff. Sure. And she mentions, oh, yes. there's always a place. There wasn't. There was nobody. So like. This was it some was kind positioned of a, for them to leave yeah. this guy there, and then he would be found it, yes. when somebody else was on duty. Again, like so I was like, yes, like oh my god, something gosh. from The Godfather or something. Yeah, yeah. seriously, and poor it's Sally Truitt. I'm surprised they didn't, you know, tell her to sleep with the fishes as well. I think that's the whole point. I think that's what makes it scary. Yeah, because they, what's going to happen to her when she gets off the train? Also, yeah, or, and you never know who, who these guys are, mm-hmm. what they're, again, what the circumstances, situation. There could be this this moral code, like right. you know, she didn't have anything to do with it. They're just dropping Jim off, right? Yeah. Yeah, because so, the subway's empty, and, like, that's not a thing. Right. Really like, good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the subway's really not like, oh, there's nobody here. Like, right. there's kind of always somebody. Right. So but, that's again, yeah, so just, eerie. Yeah. Poor Jim. So those are some good stories. So those are our, that those are the the tape stores selections. Yes, uh, from, I mean they're all good. Yeah, so they're all read good. Read them all. Read them. They're all good. It's just you know you can't read them all though. Yeah. on an episode. Right. <laughs> so those are our highlights for more scary stories to tell in the dark. So we might as well just round this thing out next week. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take her home. Yeah, we're gonna bring her home next week with even more scary tales. Sc- yeah. And so. again, I plugged it last week. I'm going to uh, plug it again. If you have not seen the documentary about the writing of these books, yeah, um, you really Cody My- Merrick Myrick. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Yes, he's the creator of the documentary, and it is so good. I've been watching it at work <laughs> in my planning period. Yeah, and it's really interesting and really cool. And you see all these authors talking about it, and you know people that have read it how it was banned and. Things like oh that. wow! Okay, it was a banned book, and, and Alvin Schwartz loved that. His oh, wife sure. said he was like, yes, yes. I mean, making waves for an author—that's kind of star status. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's cool. So, so I definitely highly those of you who are fans of these books, I I recommend yeah, you watching. It's on these Amazon are great. Prime. These are great, and 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 the thing about it is, again, we're choosing highlights. We chose highlights from scary stories to right. tell in the dark. This week was highlights from more scary stories to tell in the dark. Next week, we're going to round it out. Again, mm. we're going to bring it home with Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones. And there's something for everyone. And we talked about that last week with, like, right. with, with you know, my meter as far as <laughs> with, with, with scary stories, scary films. Yes. is Too far one side, you're goofy. Too far off the other end, you're, you're disturbing and bizarre. Yeah. But if you can find that, you know, happy medium between yeah. scary into spooky into fun, back into spooky, you mm-hmm. know, kind of stay in that realm. I think that, and that is what the the kind of stuff that's in these books. Right. There is some horrifying stuff in here. Yeah, there's also some fun stuff, and there's some just spooky and haunting things, and really provocative, yeah, thought provoking. Like you said, you know, the conversation we had about um, the little black dog story with the guilt and stuff. So, right. these are really, 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 really great stories. So. They really are. We hope you guys have enjoyed this week's episode of the Tape Store Podcast. Follow us on social media, right? Yes, uh, we're on Instagram as the Tape Store. We're also on TikTok as the Tape Store. 
um, on Twitter, the Tape Store Pod. And of course, if you ever want to shoot us an email, yeah. you can send it to the Tape Store Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. We're really active on Instagram, obviously. Yes, that's kind of where we live. That's kind of where we live, yeah, with that stuff. And yeah, so if you've been with us this entire time, we always like to take a you know a moment every week to thank you for your valuable limited time if you've spent any of it we appreciate if you spent any of it with us right <laughs> we we appreciate it listening to us talk uh we very much even though it's just me and brooke in this little room we still very much consider you in this room with us absolutely and very much a part of the conversation we want to thank everyone who takes the time to talk to us to give us shout outs and we just want to let you know we so we so value you know that friendship and that camaraderie yes. it's not just a thing we say we right. mean it we really appreciate you guys all right well Next week, it is Scary Stories 3. Yes. More tales to chill your bones. And until then, guys, have fun. Stay spooky. And we will be back next week with that. And we will see you then. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. See you guys. Stay spooky. Don't you ever laugh as the hearse goes by For you may be the next to die They wrap you in a big white sheet From your head down to your feet They put you in a big black box And cover you up with dirt and rocks And all goes well for about a week And then your coffin begins to leak The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out The worms play pinochle on your snout Your eyes fall out and your teeth decay And that is the end of a perfect day The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out And that is the end of a perfect day